picked up the receiver. Gus Tolliver, problem solver. It was Sharps, the man who'd replaced him as Good's driver and right-hand man. Guts had instinctively disliked him the moment they'd been introduced. Now Sharps was snickering over the phone. Problem solver. That's your new handle. I guess leg breaker is hard to shake. Sharps, you better have a damn good reason for bothering me at home. How do you even have my number? Boss man wants you. Meet us at the frontier at eight. Did he say what it was about? Guts heard a click in silence. That mother... Pearl swatted his ample rear. Lorenzo, at least wait until sunrise before you start cursing. By the time Guts had shaved his upper lip and showered, Pearl was busy in the kitchen. She was wearing a cream-colored apron with bright yellow daisies on it, and nothing else. Admiring her tight curves, Guts let out a long, low whistle. Don't get used to it, Pearl said without turning around. I could never get used to something so good. The thrill is new every day. Talk that stuff if you want to. You know what I'm talking about. I'm 31 years old, and my clock is ticking. Baby, let's not start an argument so early in the morning. Have it your way. What do you want for breakfast? Six eggs, six pieces of toast. I thought you were cutting down. That is cutting down. Let's make that three eggs and two pieces of toast. You serious? Serious as the heart attack you're trying to have? Pearl required little coaxing to untie her apron and sit on Guts's lap. Between kisses, she lifted each tasty forkful of breakfast and held it to his waiting lips. You're too good for me he told her. I know, she said smiling, but you'll do. Guts knew her efforts to rein in his appetite were absolutely correct. Still, he struggled to suppress a hunger pang or two, ignoring his disgruntled stomach's protests as he eased his Plymouth away from his home on Margareta and steered onto Fair Avenue. He tried to avoid even looking in the direction of Fairgrounds Park, but he couldn't help himself as its green borders loomed to his left. He could almost hear the ducks calling his name. Sighing, he turned into the park entrance, rolled to a stop at a curb, and got out. He leaned against the side of the car. Just for a minute, he thought to himself. He could barely see the edge of the pond. The ducks were out of sight tucked away in the tall fronds skirting the stone bridge. It was quiet. Despite the nearby traffic of Natural Bridge Boulevard already building up to the predictable frenzy of rush hour, a few of the park regulars were going about their activities, and seeing them gave Guts a brief feeling of comfort. He could describe each without so much as glancing at them. The two gray-haired ladies who carefully tended the Abram Higgins Memorial Garden every morning. 
The quiet fisherwoman sitting still in her lawn chair, her fishing line nearly invisible as it stretched toward the water. An unsmiling man, clad in exercise clothes and cradling several tennis rackets under his arm, sternly herding his four children toward the courts. The man had read newspaper accounts of Arthur Ashe, a black man trouncing the field at the U.S. Open, and in the nearly two years since that historic triumph, he had pursued his dream of seeing his children duplicate Ash's feet. Guts closed his eyes for just a moment, imagining the ducks. Feeding them, quietly assuring them that he had enough for everyone, then sitting back and watching them eat, was the closest thing to prayer that Guts had. He'd never been comfortable with the kind of praying he'd grown up knowing, too much desperate pleading in it for him. He never understood begging for things that, in the end,